Welcome to Your Family Dog, a podcast dedicated to helping families love living with dogs. Welcome back to the Your Family Dog podcast. I'm Tina Spring. I'm joined today by my smart and pretty co-host, Julie Fudge-Smith. And today we are excited to invite back to the podcast, Jen Triak, who is the founder of Family Paws. I've long been a Family Paws affiliated trainer. Um, Julie refers a ton to Family Paws, and we talk about it a lot. Colleen also is affiliated. So if you've been with our podcast for a very long time, then you're recognizing that we're all quite old, even though we're young and vibrant. So uh, Jen and I have realized that we've started counting our friendship in decades. <laughs> so. So that's always like, how can that happen when we're so young? So we thought we'd invite uh, Jen back this week to talk about preparing our dogs, as always, for this, the silliness that is the holidays and how that may have changed with, um, you know, a worldwide pandemic. You know, just a little, it's a little hiccup in, in the matrix um, and how that may have impacted our dogs and some new um, facets. To, to preparing our dogs for the holidays. So welcome back, Jen. I'm so glad you're here. It's always good to see you. Thank you. It's always great to see you guys too. So really, thank you for having me back. And the holiday time certainly brings up a lot of different things, doesn't it? Lots yes, of absolutely. <laughs> always a challenge. And, and I would think that for like new dog owners, especially those who got a dog during the pandemic and haven't really had their dogs exposed to family gatherings at holidays, since things are lessening um, up a little bit and we're more likely to have family, this could be a whole new ball game for a whole lot of new owners who really don't have any idea of either what to expect, what the, uh, what the pressure points might be. And some of the things that they can do to make their lives and their dog's lives easier. So that's kind of the direction I think we need to take. It's what do we do for these new owners? And I would, I would add to that too. Not only do we have a lot of new dogs, but you know, people were busy making babies during this time too. So we have a lot of babies happening as well that are just entering into the, the stage of mobility, which really can throw our dogs for a loop. And so having plans ahead of time, for family gatherings is really essential with all those changes. Well, and I think one of the most profound things you ever taught me, Jen, was thinking about things from the dog's perspective, right? Like how crowded are the spaces in your home and how does that change when there's folding chairs and Aunt Mildred's walker and an (laughs) enormous tree and nine children running around, you know, high on sugar cookies and Legos. So um, seeing it, you know, our, I, I keep wanting to find someone who will put a GoPro on a dog's collar and let them walk around a house and see it truly from the dog's level. Cause it's a very, very different perspective. It really is. It really is. And everything you describe is so true. And then you add on the fact that we as adults and I, I, are kind of desperate for that connection in that time. So when you have young, you have parents of young children and you have a, a, a gathering with a bunch of people, possibly a couple of uh, holiday beverages, you know, there's going to be lots of distraction, which really can lead to conflicts and, un, you know, 
some uh, very uncomfortable situations, but we are desperate for that. <laughs> I speak for myself. Maybe I sound desperate. Hmm? I miss human contact. But to some degree, those family gatherings, you know, people by the nature of it are going to be a little distracted, um, you know, it, with everything going on and with food and with unfamiliar faces. And as you say, toys and everything else that goes on, it can be quite overwhelming for our family dogs. Well, and there are a lot of firsts this year, right? We have a lot of first-time parents. We have a lot of first-time dog owners. We have a lot of first-time grandparents. There's a lot of dogs who've never been through the mayhem and foolishness of the holidays before. So for me and and in my practice, I'm seeing that start to already come together. um, And, and yeah, I mean, so some people made babies, some people became alcoholics <laughs> during the COVID. So, so even the little bit that we've started to entertain in our home, some of our friends have changed yep. in some fascinating ways and how they kind of what they bring to the table about how they interact with the dog and what their expectations of dog behavior are sometimes doesn't really mesh with ours. And so you get into that, that odd dynamic of kind of like somebody telling you you're parenting wrong or trying to parent your kid and things can just get a little bit, a little bit dicey. If I was to be completely honest, I just kind of throw my hands up and say, put the dog away and get out of the fray. I really genuinely think most of the time that is the kindest thing to do for everyone, because I want the people to enjoy the people. No one's here to visit my dogs, except maybe Stephanie. (laughs) Well, and I agree with you 100%. And I I agree, I tend to have my dogs away. But if we look at like, what are people going to do? Um, Having some proactive steps that they can do to kind of set things up for success. And just like we do prior to a consultation, I'm a big believer in setting the expectations right from the beginning. So uh, I often suggest to my families that if they are going and visiting, taking their children to a dog's home, um, that they do ask questions ahead of time. They do find out what what they need to bring. You know, is there going to be gate? What kind of separation and management is are people open to and, you know, what what is happening? So those questions are important. The other and, you know, if you need to bring along a gate or you need to, you know, your baby's going to be taking a nap and you need a space that, you know, the dog does not have access to. That is critical. Super, super important um, during visits to dogs homes Um, And as a parent, I think the more that you can plan that stuff and talk about it ahead of time, hey, listen, you know, our nine month old is a little, you know, explorative, they're going to be, you know, they're into everything. Would it be okay if I bring along a play yard? Would it be okay if I bring along uh, a baby gate? Um, And because not everybody, there's a lot of times people think that their dog of course, their dog's wonderful and great. And so they don't feel that their dog would need that. And as a parent, it can be really uncomfortable to say, yes, but I would be more comfortable with this. And, you know, the the podcast told me I really should do this. <laughs> um, right. Like, blame us. We have broad shoulders. 
So I tell people all the time, like, go stay at an Airbnb or at a hotel. Like, you're going to want time away. And don't take your poor dog. Like, your dog does not want to be in the middle of the chaos at somebody else's house with their dog. Like, again, what, what is the holiday about? It's, it amazes me how many calls I get that it's people brought their dog to somebody's house and never even asked permission. They just assumed that was okay. And there's no management and those difficult, having those difficult conversations on the front end or saying, you know what, we're going to stay at a hotel so that the nine month old is limited what they can get into. And if we need to take a nap or, or we have a rough day, if we're cutting a tooth, it's not a big deal. You know, we'll come over and see you, but we'll leave the baby. You know, we'll manage the baby a, a little bit different way. Um, Absolutely. Kind of that whole good fences make good neighbors. So, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you 100%. And some of the things that I like to do is, okay, so if if it's my home, right, and I have dogs in my house and there's visiting children, I, as the dog, I, what do I want to call it, parent, the dog person, the dog, I don't even, I, I don't even have the words anymore. Um, but as the dog owner, parent, whatever, advocate, I'm going to talk to the family ahead of time. And and I do this. I do say to parents who bring their children over to my house, here are the rules in our home with dogs. um, And you can expect that our dogs are going to be away. Would it be okay to do this particular activity that's structured, very short, and then the dog goes back to their comfy spot? So some of the things, you know, would your child, would your, would your kiddo like to prepare something, a gift or a treat to bring to our dog? And we'll share it at a specific time with, through a different activity. That's something that is, it's setting an expectation that our dog isn't going to be there hundred percent of the time. I don't expect their child to engage and interact with our dog willy nilly. And Hey, look, your kiddo, can if they love dogs, they can actually prepare this kind of cool treat or bring something or we can do an activity where we make a treat at the beginning of uh, a visit, freeze it, give it to them at the end of the visit. I love those um, those slow feeders. I love giving a child diluted peanut butter cream cheese with a paintbrush and putting you could even put holiday colors in that. Let them paint those slow feeders, stick some stuff in, freeze it. Later on, we can do a fun game where they put that down, you know, under control. But it's always in my house. It's always been and I know people don't believe this, but it is true. I do a lot of management and my dogs do not come around when my kids were really small, even with four large dogs. There was a lot of separation when we would have kiddos over, Um, but we would always schedule structured activities that were a win-win for the dog and kids. Like what we had so many sleepovers. And one of the things we would do is the donut game, you know, where the kids have their hands behind their back and the donuts are on strings. Well, we would set it up to do it with the the dogs too, under different conditions, right? You know, structure, but helping people to know what's expected and what's going to happen just sets everybody up for success, doesn't it? 
Uh, I agree. I agree completely. One of the things that I was thinking as you were talking about this was, you know, the idea of having our dogs sort of in and out of the conversation, so to speak, right? Yeah. That there are times when we're involved with the family and there's times that we're away. One of the things that I have noticed in the past with Thanksgiving when I have it at my house is that um, there's so much that I'm doing in preparation. And not only, you know, am I cleaning and I'm cooking and I'm serving and I'm taking care of the dogs. But at yeah. some point, what I realized was that what I wasn't taking care of was my need for my dogs. And yeah. so one of the things that I've learned to build into this is some time where I'm not necessarily bringing the dogs into the family, but I'm going to spend time with my dogs because I, I need that. that centering. And so I think that if you are feeling as though you are constantly compromising your dog, that that's the one who's always giving in, the one who's always being shuttled off, the one who's always, then take some time for just you and yes. your dog. And I think that you'll find that you feel a lot less like your dog is the one who has to constantly be the responsible adult, so to speak. So beware, right, just right. be the designated oh. driver, the designated, you know, outsider. Yeah, no, I totally, I, right. Yeah. Or, or I don't know, we, we started a, a tradition years ago. It'll be fascinating to see if it still exists that like after dinner, we go for a walk with the dogs. Nice. Right. So it's that like, is a I'm very nice away. one. I'm going to yes. get out of the house. Um, yes. I maybe can pretend I don't hear Aunt Mildred criticizing my hair color or whatever it is going to be. Right. Like there's a little bit of we're just going to get out and have a little bit more space and a little bit fresh air and and all of that. Um, I think one of the things is the power of a positive. No, I think it's so we just had the situation last weekend where we had house guests who they were making two of our dogs profoundly uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. um, and I was given a ton of pressure to have the dogs interact with those individuals. And I was just like, no, we're, we're not doing that. Um, I did finally give them kind of the power of a positive no, which was, well, maybe later we'll go for a walk with the dogs, right? But right. which we never did because then it was late. But it was... I ended up realizing that the management that I had in place, I needed to push back because the dogs were too close to the action and the people were putting too much pressure on them. Now the pug is like hyper social. So he's, I joke that he's the sacrificial pug. I was like, <laughs> here, play with the pug. Like you can't love him enough. So, right. and he's deaf, so he doesn't hear the yelling. So it, one of the things that I would say is know your dog. Like absolutely, my dogs put in the situation that they were being asked to be put in this weekend would have set them back months or years on trusting strangers in our home. I'm not willing to sacrifice that because my friend would like to, you know, cuddle my dog who is a feral dog from another country. So right. I just, I had to tell them no, and it's uncomfortable, but it's also advocating for the person. Right. If, if I can see that it's going to be bad, like we're just not doing that. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and, and being, being aware of comfort levels 
with your guests as well as comfort levels of dogs. Um, you know, gosh, it works so so many ways. You know, as we talk about the holidays, we we're talking about bringing dogs to other people's homes, but also children visiting dog homes. And you know, if kids are coming into the home, it's in the dog person's best interest to ask: Are there fears? Are there things that um, might make this more uncomfortable? What can they do? Because a fearful child around dogs does not help the situation. And that's really something I think is important to be mindful and very respectful of. Um, One of the things that you were saying too, Tina, about um, going for that walk, um, giving the kids some things that they can go hide in the yard to do a sniff trail, you know, like thinking ahead, the more that our families can think ahead. All right, my dog is going to be away for a little bit of time. We're going to schedule a couple of break sessions. And I love your idea too, Julie, of taking a time out with my dog. I would volunteer, I would volunteer to go listen to Spotify for a little while while I cuddle with my dogs in a nice, quiet place. I found that my sensory overload is maxed out when my kids all come home from, you know, wherever all the places that they are now, I take breaks a lot more than I used to because the noise, the sound, the activity, and both of my sons have dogs added to the family. So we do, we do, we do have this situation, but we don't have small children, but having activities that you've thought about ahead of time and you include your guests in if they're small children, gives them something predictable to look forward to as far as engagement um, with the dogs. And I think is a really good idea. So, you know, whether it's an activity that you guys do together, you know, to, to make a treat or have a treat, or it's something as simple as, hey kids, here's a bowl full of some goodies. I'd like you to hide it in this corner of the yard or something. And then we'll go and do a sniff walk or something. Yeah. I have a, a blog that I'll post on here about games for kids and dogs that, um, that according to different ages. And so I think that that's one thing that, that might be able to be incorporated yes. into all this. Like, for example, one of the things that when Zuzu first came home and she was, um, used to living in a house with nine dogs and two adults. And she moved into a house with no other dogs and, um, what was it? Nine people and f- four of whom or five of whom were under the age of nine. So it was like, whoa, this is like kind of overwhelming for me. But one of the things that we did was, uh, one of my grandsons who at the time I think was about four wanted to play fetch with Zuzu. Now there's no way I want to have a ball in his hand so what I did was I had Zuzu on a leash and I had her with me. I threw he and I gave him a ball. He threw it. I sent Zuzu out to get the ball, called her back to me, handed him yes. a second ball. Right. When she dropped yeah. the first one, I said, OK, you can throw that one so that he was actually playing with her. But his hands were nowhere near his mouth. And she was yep. responding and coming back to me. So I think there are things that you can do. And and Edward was happy yes. to do that for about 10 minutes. And then everybody was happy. So I think that just giving some thought to how can we engage, even for short periods of time, to make it positive for everyone else 
The other thing I wanted to mention is something I do a lot with my clients is the whole idea of dogs need to be able to have a say over who they meet and for how long. So one of the things you can also say is somebody says, oh, she's really cute. Can I pet her? It's like, that's fine with me, but you must ask Clementine, right? Mm -hmm. And if Clemmy doesn't go up to the person to be petted, which I can't imagine her not doing, um, then it's like, I'm sorry. Apparently, she's not feeling social at the moment. Let's try later. So I think it's another way of saying you're giving the dog some options, but it also isn't making the person feel bad that the dog doesn't want. It's like, oh, we're just not feeling social right now. We can try again. So those are two suggestions. Yeah, no, I agree. And with small children, giving them an alternative, like we're going to wave or blow a kiss or, you know, wow, you know, here's another alternative and then move on to something else. You know, we'll give it a try later. I think that we've got to start with our young generation of, you know, people saying, you know, we've got to take away this because they have four legs and fur and a tail we must touch them. We have to touch them. It's okay if we don't touch them. We can admire them at a distance. I don't want to be that close to, you know, everybody. And our dogs have that feeling too. So giving alternatives to that physical touch is also super important. Um, and changing that expectation, you know, uh, I think is important. Another another thing that I've been suggesting to people do too, because, you know, with these new dogs in the house and stuff we're we're working on man you know different manners and i find that so many times i'm sure you guys have never experienced this but you ever have your dog who's a little jumpy or does something or or your child who does something and you it's not what you want the dog to do but the people say oh it's fine i don't mind if he jumps all over me i it's okay and 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 you're like no, really, it's not. We're kind of working on that behavior. Um, I think having a little chart that, um, you know, because people do like to give dogs treats, having a jar or something with a chart of different behaviors your dog does know. This is more for adults because I think they need guidance sometimes too when visiting other people's dogs. And they can, you know, chart, check off. Okay, he he sat, he practiced his down, he practiced his touch or something like that. And the dog gets a treat from the chosen treat jar. Because another thing that happens is our dogs get a lot of upset stomachs from people just giving them random treats or different food or turkey leftover or that kind of thing. So giving people a way to engage and interact, that's also going to encourage the manners that we're hoping for, I think is also fun too. And you know, we can see that uh, he's practiced five sits today with these different people or he's done some of these things. I don't know. It's another way to include people and give them something to do versus ramp up our dogs or <laughs> engage in some things we may not enjoy or want them to be doing. Well, I think all three of us have had long enough careers that we have, you know, we could do a whole podcast episode on holiday horror stories, how terrible, <laughs> horrible things occurred. Um, I, I will say like, for me, a big thing is we're just like, we're here to enjoy our family. We're here to enjoy our friends. We're here to have that connection. I I do think many of a nervous, shy dog enjoys six foot distancing, right? Oh, yeah. 
not having everybody sitting on top of everyone else. And, and I have gotten out my surrogate Melissa and Doug toy company dog for kids to play with. I'm like, here, these are dogs you can play with. They can't get (laughs) called mean by your mother-in-law, right? Like you're, you're not going to win. Like there's not gonna be a loss there. The kids can lay on my enormous stuffed black lab and watch a movie and suck their thumbs and nobody's going to have a conflict. So I I just, the holidays I don't think are a great time to try to practice a, a new behavior or teach a behavior or to have things go really sideways. And it's really easy to have that happen. Oh, yeah. Um, I think, Jen, you were the one who told me that there is actually a dog bite season that starts just before Halloween and ends right after New Year's. Yeah, it definitely I don't does. think that's a mistake. <laughs> no. Well, and the other thing is I've noticed a pattern, um, you know, yes, during the holidays, but also when, so for example, when families travel and go to go away for a little bit and say their dog is, you know, boarded or they're away for a couple of days and you have a child that, has gone from crawling to running or standing um, and they get home and everybody's unpacking from this vacation holiday trip and that dog's coming back from boarding or from, you know, a pet sitter being there in a quiet house. And then we have an incident. So the holiday aftermath also too is something to really not overlook as far as when accidents happen and people let their guard down you know because it's true when you come home from a vacation especially when you pack up a bunch of kids oh my goodness the unpacking and the packing that's stress in itself and a lot of times the dogs and the child the supervision goes wayside you know people don't pay attention so Keeping well, all those a lot things, of times it's having complicated a by less um, sunlight during the day or cold, rainy weather where now kids are all playing inside all the time. And so is the poor dog. It yep. just you're right. It becomes sometimes a little bit of a, a pressure cooker that if we take a couple of minutes and go, OK, well, what are we going to do instead? Yes. It can really make it easier. I love those iris pet pens. Um they're super, super lightweight. I have the really tall ones. I think I have three full sets and I loan them out during the holidays to grandparents and step parents and parents, because sometimes we're having the kids play inside the pen. And sometimes we're having the dog hang out inside the pen. I, you know, I think some adults need to be in there as well. Sometimes I want to be in the pen. Exactly. Right. The, um, the other thing I think it's important to remember is that, um, when, when your dog's routine is disrupted, whether he's gone for boarding, no matter how much he might like boarding, or you have a pet sitter come, no matter how much he may love the pet sitter, your dog's behavior may deteriorate some because of the stress of you not being there, the disruption in his routine, and not being reinforced for the desired behaviors you want to have reinforced. So I think coming back and realizing your dog may be going through some readjustment as well, and that his behavior may not be as stellar when you left, there's no reason to get upset with the dog. It's just something to take in and to incorporate. And so, you know, just make it easier. And I know that Even when like traveling with kids, when you go to the grandparents' house and 
bedtimes get disrupted and they get a lot more cookies than they normally get at home and grandma spoils them, that coming back home and reestablishing routines, you can have a little bit of extinction burst going on with your dogs or your kids. So I think that you understand that no matter whose routine is disrupted, it's going to take a little bit of time and patience and a sense of humor to get Mm -hmm. back on track. And, and talking about it, talking about it ahead of time, we know there's this transition. So for example, I, I talk about this all the time. When my one son comes home, I think I probably mentioned this in the other podcast uh, years ago because the pattern hasn't changed. When David comes home, Oliver knows there's going to be food on the counter because David tends, you know, he leaves, he leaves his, you know, his stuff there sometimes and and it's a thing and oliver associates when certain people are home the counter surfing is really cool you know so changes in behavior sometimes our dogs do associate with different people and oliver swears to every single new person in our house at about 9 p.m that he has not gotten his midnight, you know, his, his nighttime cookie. And he will go to each individual saying, I swear I haven't, well, I haven't had it. And he's so cute and he's so good at it that that dog will get, I have to tell people, please ignore him. The shepherd has had his cookie. We're not going to give him more. But, you know, again, they, you know, our dogs are quite smart. And so that's where I do want to mention, you know, with food and you know, I, I've had a few roast beefs or turkeys stolen from the table. When when the schedule's off, any clever animal is going to take advantage of that. So, Jen, do you find people need to kind of, so I see in my practice that lots of people go, well, five years ago, you know, Rufus was 10 and he handled the kids and grandma and everybody great. And here we are five years later and they haven't assessed that the dog's different, but so's grandma. And by the way, there's seven new kids oh, and, yeah. you know, spouses and everybody's taller or fatter or has balance issues. I try to ask people to take an inventory about what's changed, yes. not just for my pet. Like, does my pet have pain or vision or hearing issues that maybe he or she didn't have three years ago, but also changes with the humans? Do we have a new walker or do we have a very old maybe not quite being so good at it walker anymore um what's changed what sensitivities do we have going on that might that we might need to manage so it coalesces well i definitely agree and that's one of my favorite phrases you know i love my rhyming phrases but they help and they work but babies grow dogs age adjust at every stage and so doing that kind of inventory and assessing what's changed is super important because i know i've changed you know as far as what i tolerate and what i can you know handle as far as sensory overload and stuff and just through the pandemic and stuff different you know so we all change and so as you say an aging dog might you know that dog five years earlier might have really appreciated active young children but now that the dog is older and has arthritis or has whatever going on you know, those new grandchildren may not be so appreciated. I think sometimes we make it 
I think often we make a big mistake when we generalize and say this. He always loves kids. He loves kids. He loves all, you know, all the grandkids. Just because he once did doesn't mean he always will. And, you know, our dogs can be particular, too. They may not appreciate one child's um, vocalizations over another's or the way one moves around heavy footed with, you know, in the way that they move. Our dogs do have individual preferences and sensitivities that we have to respect, but also accept and work around or be aware of and and be sensitive to that. I, I think that's a really good point, Jen, because one of the things I think there's an awful lot of an expectation on the American house dog that they are supposed to like everyone at all Every- times. And, and be happy about having someone in their house doing their thing and moving their bowl or whatever. And I think that as I, I will say to people, I said, well, you know, I don't know about you, but do you, do you genuinely like everyone that you meet? And there, most people are like, no. I said, same thing goes for your dog. And so you need to appreciate that. That doesn't mean that your dog gets to be mean to this person or whatever, but you need to appreciate the individuality of the dog. And for whatever reason, I remember reading somewhere that um, we don't like 20% of the people that we meet for no particular reason. Just instantaneously, we don't like them. And I'm like, that is a lot. So if our dogs are only at one or 2%, that's still, you know, fair to say, hey, you don't have to like everyone. But like kind of with my kids, you don't have to like everybody, but you got to be nice. And I don't know why we give a free pass to our cats, because I can assure you, it's kind of like, eh, you know, it's a cat. They don't like anybody, you know, sometimes. I, I have very social cats, though. I still do, Tina. If you came here, I'd still have cats who still no, food we, off your plate. We have a very social cat, too. Like, he's I right there that. with the pug on the sociability. So, and I think it's important to say to to really think about, like, okay, your dog enjoying seeing kids on a walk. And maybe interacting with your neighbor's kids for 10 minutes while you chat with your neighbor about, hey, they're going to go out of town when you take the mail in, is not the same as a 10-day visit high on sugar and no sleep in their house. Like, those are two really different (laughs) sets of scenario. So, um, I think the, the more that you can advocate for everyone... Which, which is tough because everybody has their own wants and needs and sensitivities. Often, I think divide and conquer becomes the best way to do that. And honestly, I want to enjoy the holiday too, which might mean my dogs go and hang out in the backyard behind a locked door and a locked gate so that I can just relax and enjoy my cup of coffee. Yeah. And it also may mean I had to make some choices when my kids were young that there was there was a family member who I did not feel comfortable with us visiting that household with that particular dog. And we had to make some choices not to go there because certain, you know, certain situations, it was not safe. It was not going to be a safe experience or a relaxing experience. So we made alternative arrangements and that can be really, really hard. Um, But it's the same kind of thing too. We want to advocate. It's not healthy for the dog to be stressed out to the point that they 
might bite or practice undesirable behaviors. It's not great for our kids. We have to look at the whole situation. And I definitely love to have, uh, you know, a pet sitter or doggy, you know, boarding options um, in my back pocket so that we can make other choices and alternative choices in those situations, as you're saying, you know, because sometimes they just need not be there. for human shenanigans. I think that's a great way of putting it. And and the idea of, you know, allowing our dogs to be in and out and back and forth. The other thing that I have found too is um, what's important to me is that there sort of be a certain level of homeostasis with everybody. You're right. You have to look at the whole picture. I have to look at my grandkids, what's comfortable for them and how can I help yeah. them to be more comfortable with my dogs but the other thing I also have to remember is what's the comfort level of my dogs. So, for example, when Peter, my uh, three-year-old grandson, comes over, the dogs love Peter. And they love to run up to him. And they are his face is right at doggy face. And they love to kiss him. And Peter hates that. So when I know that they're coming, they always text me from the exit so that the dogs are outside. So everybody's yeah. Peter can come in. So I think that there's lots of little things that you can do to make things comfortable that don't require a whole lot of changes to anybody's routine. And uh, so think in terms of when you're making a plan, try to keep it as simple as possible, because the simpler the, the plan is, the more likely it's to be effective and you're more likely to be able to stick with it. So I would suggest that you think of little things that you can do that are easy that's easy um that's not to say that things can't get complicated at times or that you do have to come up with a more elaborate plan but the easier or the simpler you make it the more likely it is that you're going to be able to implement it i agree absolutely and and the more willing people often are if you keep it simple they're like okay that's easy that's easy to remember yeah no absolutely so jen if there was one thing that we could get families to take away from today? What what do you think the most important thing would be? Considering everybody's individual comfort level and preference to set them for success and honoring that, honoring their individuality, what's comfortable. It's so important. And I, I and and I I to to me truly that's what it comes down to is really respecting and honoring the individuals in front of you that are going to be participating in this fun time. Let's make it fun for everybody with those things in mind. Well, and, and yeah, and for example, like I have two really spectacularly sensitive dogs. They're never going to be okay with a big crowd. So I'm going to honor them by maybe creating them in my bedroom behind a locked door where they're prepared for that. They've practiced that drill before they're comfortable with it and they can just be out of sight and out of mind. Um, I think sometimes that level of advocacy is important. When, when I had elderly dogs, they did not want to be in the middle of everything. They just didn't. Um, And so having them out of it was a kinder choice and didn't create conflict with the people. So it just was safer for everyone. Exactly. I I love that, Tina. The other thing is, is what you said is they practiced it. 
So if you have a plan and what part of your plan is our dogs are going to be behind a gate in an office or in a crate, make sure you practice that. That's not the thing you want to start implementing the day of the event. Oh, for sure. So um, thank you, Tina, for mentioning the fact that your dogs have practiced that because I think that's a really key component. You can't rely on this working if you haven't actually tested it. So great, great reminder. So, Jen, I think this is I'm been a- so glad you could. Yeah, <laughs> Tina and I do this to each other all the time. It's uh, all good. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, I think this has been a great episode filled with a lot of really good information for our clients and for those for our listeners. And I think that it will help them to make this perhaps reentry into, you know, being social with with people a little bit easier for them and their dogs. So thank you so much for for joining us. And, um, you know, I think you hold the record for the number of visits on your family dog. So (laughs) but we definitely want you back on a regular basis because you have so much great information for us. Tina, you got anything else you want to add? I always love I always love that you have your because you're the center for family pause, right? You're you are the central hub. I think that you see trends nationally and internationally more quickly than any individual dog trainer is. So I know I've absolutely seen things change in, in my practice and then contacted you and said, Hey, are you getting feedback that this is happening other places too? And then you're like, yes, we do. We have, and then we realize like, okay, we need a different plan. Um, I think, what I'm seeing with COVID is dogs are um, less tolerant about people on property and people in the house. And that's understandable. Um, I think we're all probably, even though we're craving that interaction, we're probably a little more guarded yeah. even than we realize that, that maybe it's a little bit like we all have a little bit of an emotional sunburn. So Preparing the dogs ahead of time. I mean, the good news about Thanksgiving is it's just short holiday. So people can practice in a microcosm before the onslaught of Christmas and New Year's and have an idea yeah. of like, okay, what worked? What didn't work? What do we want to adjust? How, what are some ways we might adjust it so that it's easier and fun for everybody as well as being safe? And that we all, every family has to navigate that individually. Absolutely. But I always love that you're a resource for what trends do we see changing? And it's amazing to me that, you know, 20 years later, we're seeing trends continue to change. It's amazing to me. They do. And this has been a really interesting time, you know, this last year, you know, two years. So, yeah, absolutely. I always appreciate joining you guys. Well, you're welcome back anytime. You can always call us and say, hey, I want to come on. And we will never say no. So (laughs) (laughs) thank you, Jen. And and, uh, happy holidays to all of you or all of our listeners. And we hope that you have um, that you're not too rusty on your social skills and your dogs aren't too rusty and that this turns out to be a real positive holiday season for everybody involved. And thanks for listening to Your Family Dog. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to Your Family Dog. Got questions? Interesting ideas? Visit www.yourfamilydogpodcast.com to share your thoughts.